often spoken on this show about a uh, an alliance of countries, you know, whether it's China, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, um, you know, that those are the countries that have, and Russia, of course, which have, which have attacked American democracy. But you're opening us up to the idea that maybe it's a, it's much bigger than that, in that it could be an entire network, you know, elites, because they've been, they've got hereditary titles, but also because they've got lots of money, and that that whole network might be what we're facing. Yeah, what I have, um, what I have come across is enough evidence about the hereditary title network, which you almost never hear about. Mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, it's vastly more extensive than anyone uh, in, in, in the United States even in our military and intelligence department, believe me, I've talked with enough of them to know that they don't have eyes on this at all. And um, the, 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 extent, the extent of the uh, uh, royal uh, network is, and, the, and the power that they wield um, is absolutely extraordinary. And also, I mean, all you have to ask yourself is, okay, uh, 250 years ago, this network controlled the entire planet. That's undisputed. At what point in history do you think uh, that they decided to give this planet to the democratic process. I mean, nice. at what point did they say, oh, well, we've had a good run. <laughs> Let's and at what point would they get to- upset about it? I mean, they got upset <laughs> yeah. when, when they were told that they couldn't keep their money by America because they couldn't have their offshore accounts and they couldn't have all their, their secret hiding places for their money. And, uh, you know, and when Obama started doing that to, to the world is when is when the world responded, you know, with uh, democracy sort of out, outgrown itself. It's out, it's, uh, it's gone beyond its necessary means of, 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 of power. Oh, and uh, they know that their, their principal enemy is the democratic process. Yeah. They yeah. cannot continue functioning as long as democracy. They have handled it before. They have dealt with it before. They know how to infiltrate all of its little nooks and crannies. <laughs> and, and they are engaged in a, in a very um, uh, coordinated and very uh, uh, powerful uh, dismantling of the of the global democratic process. No, I want you to be able to jump in because I know I've heard some of the stuff before. But you're, as a as a as a first time you're hearing this, I'd love to get your impressions and any questions for David. It's mind blowing, you know, and it all makes sense. And um, I'm just kind of like listening. I don't I don't know if I have any intelligent enough questions to ask. Um, it's it. Uh, well, yeah, no, because I would bring. I, I better not say anything. Okay, well, then okay. I have a question for Noel. I have a question. I have a question. I, have a question. I, have a I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I have a question for Noel then, right. okay? I, and I, I, I was listening for the first, uh, you know, 15 right. minutes or so, and right. so I hate to put you on the spot here, but I am going to quote you. You said that the mother of Ella Windsor got in trouble often for having a brooch with blackface. So I just right. want to ask you, did she or the brooch have the blackface? Was she just happy <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wearing a brooch I, I, while I she don't had know blackface? The, Ella is very nice. Ella Windsor was educated at Brown. Is she? They. She was the one who like took ecstasy and went swimming in like the you know the pool at like uh, Windsor Cathedral or Castle or something. Her mom is the one. Because he was asking me, like, what her relation is, and I don't have Google in front of me. She, she's a direct, you know, she's Lady Ella Windsor. 
her mom is the one, if you remember when Prince Harry got m married to Meghan Markle, there was like an engagement ceremony or something. And there was a, a brouhaha because one of the royals wore a brooch that was like a oh, black yeah. face figurine. So that's Ella's mom. Oh, is, so it was the brooch that had the, the black face. She just <laughs> right. she, she didn't just happen to be wearing a brooch while in blackface. No, no. The it, brooch it, it, itself. <laughs> Have blackface. Wow. Right. Whoever that lady is who's always getting bad press, Ella is her daughter. And Ella's actually very sweet and got, as I said, got her own bad press because she dated a Middle Eastern guy and they took ecstasy and went, you know, swimming naked in one of the royal, uh, you know, cathedral castles or whatever. But, um, and I know a guy who's an OBE, Graham Nash. I used to work with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So we used to tour all the time in London. And, and, and Graham didn't want really anything to do with that. He was the first guy to tell me, like, how the Royals were just, like, how much money they controlled. You know, he, he, he saw through all that BS like John Lennon did, you know. But Americans get very transfixed by that, you know. And it was Stephen Stills who was friends with them and would want to go there. And, and it was funny because Graham was from England and OBE, you know, made so by the Queen because of his contributions to the culture of England. He was in the Hollies and all this stuff. But he kind of wanted nothing to do with that pomp and circumstance. You know, he was a working guy from, from Manchester and stuff. And it's funny, like, I didn't, what I didn't want to say before is I didn't want to take it back to Trump. But when Trump became president, his dream, like what he wanted to do first, more than anything, was go to London and have this big ceremony. And if you remember, he wanted them to drive him through London and he thought everybody was going to cheer in the streets. You know, he thought it was going to be this big homecoming. And it just, and it wasn't, obviously, you know, and he sort of had to sneak in the back door and it was a bit of a disaster. But his desire was to be amongst that kind of made family lineage. Exactly. There you this go. is just the first time, by the way, um, that you're talking right. about there. But soon afterwards, he was, you know, he went back a second time. And he was really loved by Charles and Camilla. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I just thought this video is really yeah. interesting. Uh, you know, uh, they were really welcomed very warmly by by um, Charles and Camilla as they went for dinner. It was hosted by the Canadian ambassador. And there is a sort of an affinity, as far as I understand, between Charles and Trump. You can see a little bit of, you know, open friendliness yeah. right there. Um, that they went for a walk together privately. Uh, you see them laughing. They, you know, they have a very... Um, they might even be closer ideologically than we realize. Certainly not on climate change, but on race issues, there may be an indication from some people that they're not necessarily that far away. You know, um, Charles is not necessarily uh, considered not racist. Um, and so, you know, this here is oh, supposed to be the queen. You know, well, it, it, well, it would also be interesting to juxtapose um, Trump meeting all of the royals. If you look at his relationship with royalty, and the red carpet that they rolled out for him, unlike anything I've ever seen for any other president, at right. least in my lifetime, it, it was it was very intriguing to see the way that royalty treated him worldwide. The Saudi royals, yeah. when he went to China, the way that they they took him to the Forbidden City. I mean, the it was right. it's. Uh, the, Unexplanatory, really. Uh, yeah, the less hey, that was the that that was the point I was trying to make. Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, right? They gave him the orb dance, and, and he the did sword the, the sword dance, the big and, sword dance. 
And that was the point I was trying to get to is Trump, who was somebody who was from Queens, you know, his grandfather owned brothels. He was the farthest thing from even wasp sort of royalty, like blue blood families in this country. So he desired to be accepted at that level so strongly. He's somebody who could recognize that and who sucked up two monarchies, as David just said, all around the world. And they welcomed him in because well, he was yeah. the kind of guy. The fact that he sucked up to monarchies is probably, in my in my estimation, not as dramatic of a of a shift um, than uh, I mean in in what would be normal. I know many 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 wealthy people. I, I you know obviously being in the music industry and uh, I've just met so many celebrities. They are just infatuated because royalty that is like bad. that. Royalty is that step that they know they can never achieve. It's that one that it's like they, you know they, they can look up at royals. I mean, there's a even though we think of of Putin as, as being the leader of Russia, just sort of as a, as an autocrat, he probably has some Royal, um, if not lineage, certainly has Royal backing from the old Russian Royal house. And, and along that point, Trump was trying to establish a monarchy here. I guarantee you yeah. that, you know, yeah. that he wanted to hand off power to his daughter. That's why he brought his family involved. Like if Trump could have been king, he it would have taken like that. It felt like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's what he was moving towards. It's like the all, you know, the all knowing and all seeing ruler and all fealty to the king. That suits Trump's personality better than anything in the world. So, David, is there a connection between the royal family and, and, and Putin? Like, is there a royal connection to, to the Russian uh, leadership? There's a, uh, yeah, there's a direct, this would be a, a, an episode of, on its own. Uh, but um, it, 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 to make this as down and dirty as I can for the viewers, um, that, uh, that hierarchical council within the nomadic world, Okay, this is why Putin, by the way, goes around with his shirt off and rides horses around the same way why Kim Jong Un does it and Kim Jong Il, uh, Kim Un Sel, um, Sung did it. Um, that they're they're appealing back to that nomadic um, hierarchy, which they are aware of and a part of. Um, the the Russia and China diverged from um, royal rule, obviously, in the early 1900s. Right, both of them had a revolution. Um, and royalty was disbanded as far as its leadership um, role. However, the council structure wasn't. Um, what, what you simply had was a, uh, if you look at the history of both Russia and China, they have a very similar uh, government structure now. And what's fascinating to me is that when you look at the government structure of both Russia and China, which are related to one another, and you ask the simplest questions to our leaders, to our intelligence um, uh, leaders in the United States, uh, uh, of uh, what is the form of government that Russia is um, utilizing? What is the form of government that China is utilizing? You will find that they have almost no idea at all. And uh, the reason why is because it's a, it's a form of government that the United States is simply unaware of. Um, both of those countries for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Slavic world and the Asian world and the Chinese world, have been meticulously uh, grading, G-R-A-D-I-N-G, grading the amount of contribution that each family unit has given to the empire. Tonight's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep and they have a special offer for narrative viewers. I've heard it from so many people. The one thing that's changed since January is their sleep. Not waking up worrying about what the president might have done or said or tweeted makes the world of a difference. I don't think I had a good solid night's sleep in four years. And it wasn't only the president. My 10-year-old mattress, which started life as a 12-inch foam mattress, had shrunk to an 8-inch mattress, and getting out of bed was often more of a slide than a bounce. It was time for a new mattress. 
Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? Changing the course of a country can take a village. Changing the course of your sleep takes a quiz. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. That's helixsleep.com slash narrative for up to $200 off and two free pillows just for you. Uh, if you look at uh, the history of the Slavic world, um, you can look up something called the Table of Ranks. So the Table of Ranks uh, in, and, and read about that, that will give you a brief overview of how the Slavic world has been ranking its families for centuries and centuries and centuries. They had a ranking system that was built on a, a two-tiered system. This two-tiered system was implemented by the Mongols in the ninth century, right, with the Kievan Rus, the, uh, the, the famous Kievan Rus, that was the royal family lineage, but it wasn't part of the Slavic world and it was imposed on the Slavic world. The Slavic world had a merit-based ranking system that didn't divide between a, a title holder, an inherited title holder, and every other Slav. So the, the ranking system that the Slavic world used um, ranked families for the, you know, for, from the ninth century up until the Bolshevik Revolution with this two-tiered system, a system where the commoner could only get up to a particular level, only inherited power could, could transcend that level. Mm. But as that system was functioning, same way in China, tweaks were being made to it to allow commoners to ascend up to the inherited title level. In fact, the, even, even um, Catherine the Great, uh, imposed a number of these changes, this is centuries ago, allowing a commoner to ascend to the rank of an inherited title. So the, they, they have a, a bureaucracy based on this merit-based system. If you achieved a certain title, you were, it, you were granted inherited um, title. So you were actually were, the, the, like, it'd be like in the United States uh, bureaucracy, my dad was a part of that bureaucracy, he was a level 12 or level 13, I think, when he, right. when he retired. If you achieve that level in uh, Russia, there, theirs went backwards. So theirs, it was, uh, it was from 13, 14 down to one. They had just the opposite as far as ours, as far as how it was ranked. Mm -hmm. If you achieved a, a certain level, a certain rank, by the time of the Bolshevik Revolution, that rank was a rank of four, you then automatically were granted inherited title. Um, so you were granted into the royal world. So um, what, what you actually have is that Lenin's father um, got that title. He, was, he achieved the level of fourth rank in the Department of Education, giving him, and it's not very many families made that, that journey. It wasn't mm. very easy to make it up to that rank, but his father made it up to that rank, giving him, the, he was the first inherited title holder in his family line, okay? That was Lenin. He then created a revolution to just eliminate that gap. So they've been, they, the, the Chinese and the, and, the, and the Russian revolutions were, were, were more, T tinkering with this centuries and centuries old um, merit-based family ranking system of the table of ranks. So it wasn't this overwhelming, complete throwout of every, you know, revolution of everything that they had done previously. It was an equalizer. It was, it was an equalizer, allowing the merit to, to trump any inherited title. Mm. So merit became king, where it used to be kind of a combination of merit and, and title. They just threw out the title holder and allowed it to be completely merit. Of course, their, their, their royal family still dominated the upper tiers of the ranks. So they, they, uh, they just, um, they had a revolution allowing the entire society to become involved in this. So they have a ranking system that at the very top of this ranking system is still the high council of the Slavic world. That high council still but, coordinates but, with the rest but of the Putin, world. So Putin has, um, 
So is there a royal family of Russia? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, and Putin actually already recalled still. the Romanov. So Putin let out a, a message already that he is now officially recalling the the, the royal families of Russia back to Russia. Oh, but, yes, um, he did? Yeah, so... Where are they? Where are the royal... Where the, so the, the, I, I know that Tsar is killed, obviously, or is he... Then, then there, he's... he's um, there's thousands of them. Thousands a, of them. A, where are they? There's... Well, there's a significant population in Europe and a significant population in the United States. They have their own website. You can actually go and to why it. Why are they being recalled to Russia? <laughs> RussianNobility.org. Well, because they're re- they're reestablishing this. Um, they're, they're, they're they're, they're, yeah, the hierarchy. So, so, but basically, you're saying is there are there are monarchies existence in Russia, and that's why there might be a connection between you know. There's this recent scandal in the UK where Prince Michael, who's the cousin of of um, the Queen's, was caught that's, by the by, by the. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's Ella's dad, Prince Michael. That's Ella. That's Ella's dad. Oh, well, there you go. So Ella's dad happens to be the guy who was caught in a Zoom call trying to sell his influence with Putin, saying, you know, for $250,000, I'll introduce the Southern, the South Korean mining company to Putin. And, you know, this is the first time, as I can recall, that there's been an overt sort of recording of somebody in the royal family selling their influence to a foreign country or a foreign company in order to connect them with someone who's supposedly the enemy of, of, of the UK. I mean, you know, just like America, uh, Russia is considered the number one uh, national security threat to, to the UK. And so here's the Queen's cousin introducing a South Korean company to, to Putin or offering to for $250,000. Now, it just struck me, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on tonight, is how does that even happen? It could only happen if there's some sort of pre-existing sort of peerage network where, you know, everybody knew each other so they could knew that they could open the door to Putin. Oh, of course. I mean, Catherine the Great was German. A lot of people don't even they don't even know that or realize the the extensive interfamily relationships that that cross international boundaries here. The royals are, are played by a completely different set of rules. If you look throughout the, um, the history of the 20th century, um, there is not very many books on this subject because academia has stayed uh, largely away, largely because of the fact that the entire Ivy League. Um, is founded and still run by European royalty. So they make sure they stay away from this. But a few academics have done books on the subject. Uh, you, could, uh, you could buy a book called like, uh, you know, The Royalty and the Reich or Hitler's Go-Betweens. And you start to broach into this, um, uh, uh, you know, concept of the, of, the, of the true extent of royalty's involvement in world affairs. And what you right. find is that they have their fingerprints on absolutely everything. I mean, this guy just happened to be caught in a Zoom call. You have thousands of members of European royalty that have international um, uh, 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 ability to, um, uh, like, beyond what an ambassador would. I mean, immunities of, of all kind of local laws. They can go anywhere and do things that... Um, well, that a lot of them are that, immune, right? I mean, the, the Prince Charles cannot commit a crime that could be arrested for. Neither can the Queen. I mean, I think the extended family can if it's a criminal crime, but on a civil basis, they can't even be sued either. But there's, you know, these guys have impunity. They can do whatever they want around the world. And they do, basically. I mean, look, they can get look, away with anything. Yeah. Look at Andrew. Look, yeah, look at Andrew. And Trump pl- pretended like he'd never met Andrew when they asked Trump about Andrew and he had a meeting with Andrew on that first trip to London you know on his first royal visit he had a private breakfast with Prince Andrew because obviously they were running buddies with Jeffrey Epstein you know and Trump tried to keep that off the schedule it wasn't publicized not only when you say running buddies they they 
traded arms all the way back to Iran Contra and the and the uh, Khashoggi, uh the yeah Khashoggi, no, uh, yeah Khashoggi worked for all of them to right. trade those arms and that's how you know we go to the Iran Contra scandal and possibly why we're so uh, you know why we know so much today about this contrast with uh, the royal family's public face and their private face but they can do anything and they do do a lot of things that are against the law and in andrew's case it was trading weapons lots of them oh yeah the royal family operates and they they've openly stated this but a lot of people don't understand the extent of it they operate like a duck they are almost entirely serene above water but underneath the the surface they are just paddling and paddling i mean what what charles you, you look at the gravity by which they're um uh the, the, the world media is talking about the ascendancy of Charles. And yet, like I told you in a previous conversation, there's, there's this really quite disconnect between the gravity by which they cover the royals and every single move that they make, almost like, you know, the announcer of, a, of, a, of a, the golf tournaments at like the Masters. I mean, it's just this low and hushed tones like, uh, you know, Prince Charles is walking up to the, you know, to the microphone yeah. every single step. You know, every 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 ounce of their of their lives is covered with such gravity. And then the gap is, what are they really doing? Then they pivot right. to this. They're not doing anything. It's right. all just interpersonal, very sort of tabloid. Well, he wants their his sons to get along. I mean, no, that has nothing. They they are they are operating like a duck underneath the water, underneath the surface. Prince Charles and and Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles now is at the helm of a vast network of the most powerful people and families in Europe. And he, what he does is he controls their lives within this network. He has total sovereign control uh, within the British Empire, within the Commonwealth, over how, they, how these royal families rise and fall within the only network of power that matters in Europe. And that wields extraordinary power. He doesn't have to have direct power over the parliament. And he has he power actually stands over them. for something. He, he stands for something. You know, he wrote this book called Harmony, which apparently is not a great book. However, it, you know, let me pull up the cover here so you can see it. Um, you know, the Prince of Wales, Harmony, a new way of looking at our world. So in this book, he basically starts talking about his 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 pet thing, which is climate change and how he believes that sustainable development is the way for the world to go. Now. As it turns out, the world is actually undergoing this transformation of sustainable development. And he wrote this book many, many years ago. And it does seem like his vision of how the world should operate economically is actually beginning to see its way into reality. You know, in Canada, maybe it's more pronounced than it is in the United States. But this idea of sustainable economies is very, very, is a very big deal. And he goes on to list, you know, he's got this Magna Carta of, um, I guess there's a Magna Carta of, of that exists before, but he's created this Terra Carta, which is, you know, how the, the, how the, how the climate and the economy should work together, you know, and he enlists all these things, nature value, nature's value must be included in economics. The environment is an international challenge. Three half of the planet must be protected by 2050 and investment um, must support low carbon. I guess that's just a summary of it, but there's a, a sense from him that he really wants to change the world. And people just think of him as the sort of, sort of dry, not necessarily very interesting guy, but he's also been very involved in changing government policy in the United Kingdom. Up until recently, we hadn't seen the spider memos, but these have now started coming out. And these are memos where he has for decades been talking to ministers in the UK government, demanding certain policy take take hold. So, you you, you know, the, the king is not meant to be involved in government policy, but there in the UK, in these spider memos, he's directing these ministers to do 
specific things. It's a, a really interesting clip where we talk where they show how fixed he is about changing the world by restoring a previous version of the world to the world. He wants to make us go back in time. All of his ideas on architectural design, class structure, aesthetics, and ecology are here. And what he sees is the future looks very much like the past. An 18th century village adapted for the 21st. And that's a convenience store, which I'm very proud of, which everybody said wouldn't work. That's the pub, which again, nobody wanted to touch. But now, of course, the values are going up and up and up. The problem is not the type of interventions that he makes, it's the fact that he makes them. What if we discovered that he was incredibly keen on the death penalty or he wanted to recriminalize homosexuality? It looks like an old village, but inside of all, it's very, it's very modern. But on the outside of it, the facades are all very, very traditional architecture. The economies are very self-sustaining. This is his vision for the world, and it's very contrary to the push that capitalism has had for many, many centuries. And so I'm interested in hearing your points of view, David, about, you know, is this change in the economy Charles's influence? Is he actually influencing some of this? Are we seeing the shift in the world's um, value because of that? He, he's making here a direct appeal to the hunting and gathering lifestyle. This is a direct appeal to their ancestors. They know exactly where they come from. They've had this problem with the agricultural world um, from its outset. They've always believed, the, the nomadic network and the central council has always believed that agriculture has an inherent flaw built into it. And so th what, what he's doing there is a direct appeal to the international network of royals. They know that they come from the hunting and gathering world. And, and uh, he's, he's making a manifesto for a, for a future that is vastly different than the one that we currently live in. Well, thanks very much for joining us tonight, David. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. These barracks were due to be transformed, but in June last year, the planning application was dropped. The court heard how Prince Charles had written to the Qatar royal family and their development company, asking them to reconsider the plans, even submitting some new ones with an architect that he preferred. He will very happily go to Saudi Arabia and he took part in a, a ceremony with the then Crown Prince and um, they dressed up in Bedouin robes and they took part in a little sword dance. What seemed to me extraordinary about that was that what swords are usually used for in Saudi Arabia is cutting people's heads off and that seemed to me the most extraordinary bad, bad taste. Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.